So, Alfred, this is kind of a departure from the normal roles that we see you in. How did you get involved with this project? Well, um, I came to Annabelle, which is a paranormal thriller. I came to it because I was invited. No one's ever asked me to do that genre before. Um, and I, I'm always interested in what I haven't done. We get asked to do the same thing a lot, but even in doing that, I try to always find not always try to find, I find the difference in, in the characters each time. So um, I wanted to come and just react to that sound, you know, react to that demon, mm -hmm. doing those things on the spot. So it was, a, it was an acting challenge and it was, it was great fun to flex those different muscles. Great. So can you tell us about the character you play, a little bit about her? Um, so we meet our beautiful couple, our lovely, couple and she's pregnant, Mia and John. Mm -hmm. And they live, I think, on the west side of Los Angeles. And they have neighbors that they have a, a really wonderful relationship with. It's, a, you know, it's just the perfect setting. And one night, <laughs> everything goes bad. There's an awful occurrence next door that slams right into the lives of John and Mia. And, but Mia's still fine with her pregnancy, but they need, they need to move. So they go to beautiful, bucolic Pasadena. <laughs> and that's just where things start to happen in bucolic, beautiful places. And so they're trying to get their bearings. She's walking the pram down the street with little Leah in it, and she passes Evelyn's alternative vintage bookstore. And that's when Evelyn the bookstore owner comes into their lives. That's me. Great. Now, the fact that this is based on a true story, how do you think that that adds to the film that when people are watching it? Well, you know, people always say based on a true story, but whatever has come out of a writer, a writer's imagination is always true because it is the conglomeration of all kinds of images and thoughts and people that have flashed, flashed, flashed. So everything is a true story. I don't think that makes it any different. That's a great answer. Uh, can you talk about uh, working with John Leonetti? I was very uh, excited and satisfied to work with John Leonetti because I really love his work as a cinematographer and I knew uh, this type of story and Annabelle, I, it would depend so much on the sensibilities and the eye of a, of a really great cinematographer. And so uh, I was very happy to, to work with John. And I just love him. He's like a, you know, he's like a, a grown-up surfer, old hippie, and I'm um, an old hippie. And it just like, <laughs> the lingo on our set, you know, you thought you were actually in the early 70s when mm -hmm. you hear everybody talking. It was a good, it was a good time. Great. And did you have much or interaction with James Wan? I, I did. I did occasionally. He, that master of the macabre, is the most sort of zen and peaceful and lovely man. I couldn't believe that was actually James when I met him. Mm -hmm. And I look at, you know, occasionally I check him out, you know, but it's like this. It's like, what are you thinking? All of that is in that head of yours. This is just crazy. And I would ask him, I said, like, you know, when you just like, 
laying down at night? Is it like, oh, peace? Or is it, are there like <laughs> spirits and people and gangsters and everybody just whacking it out in there and he would laugh? That's funny. And let's talk about Annabelle the doll. Was that, how was that working with that doll? Was it a little bit creepy? You know what? Annabelle needs to go on a juice fast. <laughs> <laughs> that gal is heavy. She really, every time they would give me the, I'd have to hold it and I was like, oh my God, this is like a big old four-year-old. How old is this girl? And bless her heart, it was kind of creepy just because, you know, the way she, you know, she was kind of put together. But I also felt badly for her because she's not like the prom queen. <laughs> and everybody doesn't have to be a prom queen, but they made her so, it was like, I don't know, I just felt badly for Annabelle. <laughs> People were creeped out by her, but... I would befriend her. <laughs> he is, all of us have felt like Annabelle looks at some time. <laughs> That's so true. Do you feel, do you? She's our co-star. She's, <laughs> she's our star. She's still our star. Yes, yeah. Do you believe that this type of thing can happen? I mean, you know, people believe sometimes, sometimes they don't. I know sometimes I wonder about it, but what are your thoughts on possessed dolls or the things like this actually happen in real life? Depends on the time of year and where I am. I go through a phase where, and it, it's not a particular house anywhere, I'm doing that. <laughs> and I go and look, it's not the puppies. Not, it's like, what is that? And then I just say, whatever, <laughs> it's all love. So I have not, um, I, I've had no experience with the paranormal, but all of our lives is subjective. Our reality is subjective. So um, whoever has, that's, that's their reality. Um, and we can tell their stories as well. And we all like to hear each other's stories. And, you know, I think one of the things that we're attracted to when we start to talk about the paranormal is that we get bored with what we can see and touch. And it's, and we hope for things outside of what we can see and touch. Um, those things for me happen to be very positive, uh, the things that we can't touch. But um, somebody else's reality, they might have had encounters that go the other direction. But I don't, you know, I don't know about them. Yeah, that was a brilliant answer. Thank you so much. Hi there. Maybe you're in the mood for a delicious cup of coffee or a soothing cup of relaxing and always flavorful fruit tea. How about some scrumptious crunchy granola? Or maybe some organic and all-natural candy for that sweet tooth. We've got all that and much more. Check out our amazing brands on Rob. And that's with two Bs, fbc.com. Again, the website is robbfbc.com. So let's start out with how each of you got involved with this project. So Ward, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, yeah, I got involved in this project through typical audition situation. Uh, my reps in New York uh, had me put on go on tape with uh, casting out of uh, L.A. that came to New York, and uh, and I came and read with Annabelle a little chemistry read. It actually was like two months after I'd originally auditioned before I found out that uh, we were doing a chemistry read, which was quite exciting. A lot of times that stuff goes off and you never hear about it again, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we, we got together, had some, I guess we had some chemistry, and um, it worked out. Annabelle? Um, I did 
the same. I sent, I was actually filming in Europe and I sent a tape to John um, Linetti and he responded well and then I had actually Skyped, I Skyped with him on Christmas Day because um, it was moving that fast and yeah within a couple of days I was in Los Angeles and testing with Ward here, <laughs> charming American and uh, yeah that's and that, yeah the rest is history. And can you tell us uh, about your who you play and a little bit about your character? I play uh, Mia Form. Um, she is a kind of housewife in, in um, the late 60s dealing with, um, a, she's pregnant and she is quite an interesting character because for me she was, it's always, it was clear that there was something about her that had, you know, she was very intuitive and, and um, there's, she's quite quiet, she's quite, she's, it's the early 70s but she's still of another time. She's, um, yeah, a classic heroine in, in this type of movie and, um, She's quite a subtle storm of a, of a person, quite a, um, yeah, interesting, um, interesting, uh, yeah, little silent storm, I like to call her, yeah. <laughs> and Ward. Yeah I, yeah, I play the role of John Form, Mia's uh, husband, and I'm, a, I'm a, uh, finishing up medical school, um, hoping to be placed in a residency program, and uh, yeah, you know, I, 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 I I would say that uh, John is a, a loving father, and, uh, and you know he's an expectant. Um, you know he's he's a loving husband, expectant father, and um, you know kind of just does what he has to do to protect his family, which I think most husbands and fathers would do. Uh, and uh, and a lot goes on, a lot of scary stuff goes on that uh, he has to do that, and he has to step up to the plate. And I think for me, it's you know interesting how you would react in a situation like this. You know, in this film, you know his his life, as he knows it, is threatened. Uh, his, his his wife and daughter, and um, you know, for me, it's interesting to find out how, how would I react in that situation. Mm. And, uh, and there are a couple that are dealing with a lot of the social changes of the time. You know, um, it's it's. I think there's a lot of pressure on them as a couple. There's, you mm -hmm. know, the fact they're pregnant. And um, what's interesting about the story is that you could also confuse, you know, what's happening with the traumas that they're going through with what's happening within American culture at the time and the social changes of the time and um, yeah but I think at the core of it is is a strong family unit and uh, two people that hopefully you enjoy and kind of fall in love with and, and believe that they love each other very much and that they're willing to um, fight to the end to um, get over this traumatic mm -hmm. experience. Yeah you want to root for them. Yeah. Now how does Annabelle come into the story? How does she get introduced in this story? Well, my character, Mia, she is a collector of <laughs> dolls, <laughs> bespoke, <laughs> lovely looking things. Very, uh, very and lovely. She, uh, and she's been searching for this one particular doll and as a gift, a kind of moving pre, pre... We call it a push present a here push in the United States. A push present. Yes. He gives her this lovely <laughs> looking doll. She asked and for it, though. She asked I for this I apparently doll. begged for it. Um, yeah, and, and that's how she comes into our life. And I, and there's a moment, I, I felt very much that, you know, there was like a moment where she's just transfixed by this thing. It's almost foreshadowing that she knows 
something. There's like an energy there. You know, that scene where so why, why did you take the doll if you knew that something bad was going to happen? Because she's masochistic. <laughs> <laughs> she likes dark behind that blonde veneer. Yeah. Yeah, no, the joy didn't last very long. She, uh, we, we had stuff happens the night that I give it to her, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. Now we have a great addition of Alfre Wooder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about working with her? Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She. I. I. Obviously, she's a legend. I was a. Do you remember when we first shot that first scene? The first time that I meet her, you introduced her to me outside, oh. and uh, I was a little starstruck, I guess, because the, the line is me. I say, "Hi, I'm John," and the first thing I said was, "Hi, I'm Ward." Yeah. Totally, <laughs> totally ruined the take. I was kind of in my own, you know. I definitely was a little starstruck. She's amazing. She was so sweet, so giving. She did a uh, five-minute video for my daughter, who was studying Mandela at the time in school. And she offered to do this video where she talks about her experience with Mandela and the time that she had spent with him. And uh, it was amazing. I mean, for her just to offer to do that, and then yeah, it made my, it made my daughter's day. She was loving it. Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, someone like Alfre really adds a weight to the film. And I remember when they hadn't cast that role yet, and there were, you know, they were talking about who they were going to get on board. And and um, when she signed on, I think for me it really made me, you know, made me very excited about um, the movie and and the prospect of working with someone of that caliber. And you know, you, when you're around someone like that as an actor, you just want to sit back and observe and and you know, take the lessons that, that you have in front of you. And she, um, yeah, she's, she's a tour de force, you know. She's uh, an actress, but many other things, and it was wonderful to work with her. That's great. Mm. Now, what do you hope that audiences will, what do you think audiences can expect out of this film? They will be scared. Mm -hmm. They won't want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> they may never look at a doll again in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, they will, hopefully, will have a lot of Annabelle doll Halloween costumes. That would be that would that would mean it's huge, right? If that's what you see at Halloween. Yeah. 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 A lot of Halloween costumes. I think it's different. I think I think it's it's a throwback to a time where the genre was very celebrated, you know, in the seventies, you know, there's such iconic time for horror and um, it's a I, I do feel it's a definite homage to that time, to Polanski, to Kubrick, to to all the greats of that era and I and I think we have such an intelligent audience nowadays that it's it's important to give them something that they feel is is justifies where we're at, as, uh, you know, as a collective audience. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's yeah. quite it's it's different in that it's not what you expect. There's mm -hmm. a subtlety there. There's a there's a psychological element. There's nothing obvious, and I think you have. I think the mind games that you play with yourself when watching it make it more of an interesting um, piece of, of, of yeah. cinema. Well, I think that's what they, that John and, and our creative team has done so well is everything is based in reality and there were no shortcuts, there were no gimmicky things, it was all, all it's all going to feel very real so I, I yeah. hope that people feel that they've been through an experience together and, uh, and they came out the other side. Yeah, and it's yeah. scarier that it stems from um, truth from case files that are mm -hmm. that are real. I mean, yes, we've we've you know for cinematic purposes, we've we've embellished the stories, but it is it does stem from a truth, and I think that's far scarier when you can look Absolutely. at something and and think it's so far fetched and so far removed from your reality, but really, 
it came from someone's truth, whether or not you believe or not. Right. You know, it's yeah. edgy, fresh, energetic, impressive, captivating, provocative. It's Rob TV. Watch us on RobTV.com. How long have you known each other and been working together? I have known John since my second movie. Uh, since the second movie I came out to Hollywood to make, um, Dead Silence. When was that? How many that years was. Ago? Um, I'm the uh, worst at remembering that. Um, <laughs> I think that was 2005 or 2006 ish. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so yeah. About almost 10 years is what I thought. Yes, yeah. We've been friends for 10 years. Yes. So, congratulations on the success of The Conjuring and oh. now this film. Uh, the doll Annabelle was introduced in The Conjuring at the beginning and had quite a significance. When um, and why did you decide? It deserved its own movie. Well, you know, when we were shooting The Conjuring, uh, it became very clear to us that uh, Annabelle was something that um, had a lot of presence. You know, even though she was just an, an, an animated um, object sitting around doing nothing, um, people would react to her in a very strong way. And uh, and sure enough, when the film came out, um, um, Annabelle got such a strong reaction, like she, she almost was like a star in her own right, that we all felt that she would be the natural um, um, star of the next spin-off um, Conjuring film. And, and how was how excited were you, John, to come on board as a director this time? Oh, you know, I was very excited. You know, when I was asked, I hadn't read the script yet. You know, so obviously, if you're going to direct the movie, you're going to read the script <laughs> and see if you, you know, take to it. And I have to say, it was it was really good. The tone, the the the, the feeling uh, that I could see that the audience. Uh, would uh, take to and 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 be manipulated by and all that was in was in that that first draft of the script and and that and to, hey to work with you know James in this capacity to work with New Line uh, who are wonderful people you know it was all it was too the whole thing is has is was is and was so. Good to be true. I can't believe it. And James, um, why did you think that the right man for the job, as it clearly has been, uh, was John? Well, I mean, put it this way: uh, when we finished The Conjuring and we felt that Annabelle was going to be our potential next movie to go out with, you know, uh, we thought for two seconds, who could this be? And then, uh, pretty much right after that two seconds, we we all agreed between myself, the producer, and and New Line Warner Brothers. I said, what about John Lanetti? Uh, he would be the natural guy. He gets the wall, he understands, he shot The Conjuring, and uh, and we all just hope that Joan would, would be willing to come and play with us, and we're so glad that he did. <laughs> Thank you. Um, as opposed to other horror movies, uh, this doll actually really does exist, and is kept in a house. Um, uh, Lorraine Warren, right. I have visited, I'm sure both of you have also. And that adds a special... You visited, Lorraine? Yes, I have. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> that wow. adds something really unique and special to this whole story. Yes, I think, uh, I think it's the fact that um, Annabelle wasn't just something that was made up completely from scratch, and that... Um, that there was something there that she was based on to begin with, kind of gives her that extra thing that it needed. And I think mm. um, we, 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 we took that and we ran with it. And, uh, you know, and, and even though, um, you know, um, Annabelle is her own story, um, John and I really wanted it to be as grounded as possible. Because Absolutely. for something like this, a movie about a potentially possessed demonic doll, can walk that fine line between, you know, like um, scary and cheesy campy, right? And so uh, the more we ground her, the more we portrayed her in a, in a way that makes her feel real uh, is, 
was a very important thing for, for us when Absolutely. we were shooting this film. And let's admit it, she's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find the right actors to play that marriage? That well, couple? I happen to be lucky enough to see uh, Annabelle Wallace's uh, tape, um, and I was just blown away by her. It, at first, it, we didn't even know if we could get her because of visas and stuff, but she was, her eyes were just so expressive, and, and I knew how many <laughs> times we'd be in a close-up uh, in this movie, and, and she, she just has this timeless, classic, classical look. She's a well, well-trained actress, actor. What a pro she is. And she's beautiful, and you know she, she's gripping on the screen, so I guess those are the factors. Yeah, no, I think that's the thing that John did really well was um, casting actors that feel like they fit into this movie. And, and not mm. just the time period that the movie takes place in, but in, in a world that we want the audience to know that this is a different kind of horror film. It's not necessarily a contempor contemporary smelling horror movie. Right. It's one that's made today, yes, but one that invokes the spirit of that era. And, and, and casting, you know, um, Annabelle and Ward, who, who both have a very classic quality to them, uh, was very important for us. And I think, uh, I think, you know, we were very fortunate with uh, getting them. And how much fun was it to play with that time period with the 70s? It looks great in the movie. Well, it was, you know, let's face it, we literally set the stage in The Conjuring. And the Conjuring, yeah. Uh, you it, know. Yeah. It, it, it's something that, uh, that that is great. It's something, you know, for, for for us as filmmakers, you know, cinematographer and production designer, it lets you create this world of a per period that, uh, that, um, that I'm a big fan of, and I, I love movies from that era. Um, but one of the things John and I did um, photographically with The Conjuring was um, we didn't necessarily want to go down the, the crease the cliche route of um, you know using all film cameras to do it. We want to shoot it with sort of very high-end, sleek, modern um, equipment, but make it feel like um, you're watching this movie that is literally just peeling back the curtain into another time period, like like you're there, as opposed to watching something that was projected on a screen, right? You know, uh, and so that was something that was very important. And that was the aesthetic that we carried through um, on Annabelle as well. Yeah, the music. I. I was in high school in that time. At that time, and the music alone sets you in the period. You know, if you just, you know, if you pick the right, pick any of those songs from that time. And I think the moment you do that and create the look, and that that you know James is talking about, the audience immediately is sucked in, and you got them. And now, we, now you got to kind of scare them too. Well, and especially if you're telling the audience that uh, that this story takes place in a world that is supposedly based on a true story, like the first Conjuring was, right, based on real people, you want to be true to uh, the time period that it was set in. Hi there. Maybe you're in the mood for a delicious cup of coffee or a soothing cup of relaxing and always flavorful fruit tea. How about some scrumptious crunchy granola or maybe some organic and all-natural candy for that sweet tooth? We've got all that and much more. Check out our amazing brands on Rob. And that's with two B's, fbc.com. Again, the website is robbfbc.com. So let's start with, what is the story of Annabelle? The story of Annabelle is about um, uh, Mia, our, our lead character, who her whole life is just like dolls. She's collected them. And her husband uh, gives her, as a gift, a doll, Annabelle. And it's really the the 
the pursuit of, of the demon that has taken over this doll to uh, mess with Mia's mind and, 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 and go after her soul and it's, or, her, or her baby's soul, depending on how you look at it. And it's her fight and struggle with this demon. Now, how is this an offset of The Conjuring? It's really, um, it's just a, 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 it just sets up the opening scene of The Conjuring. It's unto itself. It's an original movie unto itself. However, it's tied because, of course, that creepy doll was introduced in The Conjuring in the beginning and near the very end in the Warren's house, you know, it was in that wheelchair and head turned, you know. Um, and so it, that's basically how it's tied to it. But it's really, you know, it's kind of an homage to uh, the past, uh, like a Rosemary's Baby, a movie, you know, it's timeless, it's classic. It's an homage to The Conjuring as well, in style and tone and period. But um, it's, uh, it's, it's a little different, actually. Now, Annabelle the Doll is based on a true story. So mm -hmm. how does that add to this? How, how is it the fact that this is a true story, in, a, in effect? Uh, mm -hmm have effect on the film that you're making? Well, I think that, that you if you start with, first of all, The Conjuring and The Warrens, and they've got 3,000 cases of, you know, paranormal things that they've, they've uh, investigated and trying to sort out for people. You know, half of them are fraudulent. They're, they're not, you know, but there's a half of them that, that the people that are involved in those cases, including The Warrens researching them and helping them, uh, believe are real, very real. And, and so, I think that when, when people um, believe something can be real, it it's, will scare them more. I, I think that, you know, I've thought about this a little bit, and if you think about, like, vampire movies, um, guys think vampires are cool and girls think vampires are sexy. But do we really believe, anybody really believe that vampires exist? I don't think so. But they're more than willing to be entertained by a, a vampire story. Well, the same here, however, because of religion and because you know everybody wonders what happens to them and their their soul or whatever you want to call it after they die many people believe there's something on the other side now once you have an audience that goes there then you have a wonderful opportunity to manipulate them and and scare them now you and uh, James have worked a lot in the past truly did you have the same vision for this film like was working together was it the same vision oh there's no question about what I learned and and even kind of helped develop with from and with James who's the master in our day uh, of horror I believe and I'm, you know proud to be I've always been at his side um, oh sure I mean there's a there's a certain formula that we uh, we on our first movie uh, we together experimented with uh, which was a good movie but um, it really wasn't until Insidious One that I think what I called the real experiment, um, where you know, for on a very low budget, uh, you know, sort of framework, we got we had this incredible story that Lee and he came up with and Lee wrote, and we got a chance to um, hone our horror skills, I would say on that movie. And what came from that movie actually really inspired The Conjuring and how it was done. It was just a much larger larger scale. 
but uh, those techniques are techniques that, of course, I incorporated into Annabelle. And um, part of it is, you know, setting the tone, the period, the time, which immediately, it's interesting when you, it's kind of cool that these movies are set in this 1970, 1975 in that zone. Because with music and, and with the look, people get sucked into the film right away. Then, now you got them, hopefully. And if, if you do, now you can start to really mess with their minds. And, and um, you know, as long as you have the kind of stories we have and you have the actors we have, and, and then you set them in a, the key is to set them in a very real environment. Even though it's back then, you just, the more realistic you make it, the more believable it is, and the scarier it is. And that's sort of what we set up in, in Insidious 1 and carry through The Conjuring. And there's, you know, more things I could talk about it specifically that accomplishes that, but that's kind of the general way to start it all, if you will. That's good. Now, I understand there were some strange things that might have happened while shooting. Can you talk well, about any of those? you know, there, there's one specific thing that was kind of weird towards the end that, you know, you could say what you want. It was, you know, coincidence or whatever, but when our demon Joe was on the set, uh, Eric... Um, I'm sorry, not Eric, Chris, Chris Shaw, uh, Fuller, who's unfortunately, he's not in the movie anymore, and, not, and his character was amazing, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, editorially came out, but he was, he was just walking uh, underneath the lamp, a ceiling lamp, and Joe walked by, and he, the moment he walked by, it just fell right on his head, and it, it was just like random. Really random, but there's something else that happened that most people don't know about that I thought was kind of interesting because the apartment we were shooting in was uh, at the Langham, it's a penthouse um, in, in Koreatown, 8th and Normandy, it's called the Langham, and um, uh, the, it hasn't been inhabited by anyone, nobody's rented it for 15 years, okay, but it used to be Clark Gable's apartment when he was hanging out in LA, it was Ronald Reagan's uh, apartment when he was an actor. But since then, it has been rented, and they say, oh, it's, you know, kind of haunted or whatever. Okay, believe it or don't believe it. But um, the first night I went in there with, with Jimmy, our cinematographer, and, um, and Bob, our, our um, uh, production designer, um, there's a transom windows above the regular windows, and in the design for our movie of The Demon is, is three fingers and three talons. And there's, we look up, and there was a full moon, I swear to God, Jimmy had his still camera because we were taking pictures of the apartment. There was a full moon behind the transom and there were three like, not scratches in the glass, but three fingers pulled down through the dust. And it was, and the moon, full moon right behind it. I've got a picture of it. And that was kind of creepy. That was just kind of a little bit of a, you know, a sign, <laughs> whatever. Who knows? That's great. So what can audiences expect when they see this film? I think they can ex expect to get entertained, first of all, mm -hmm. which is what it's all about. Uh, my dad told me that. <laughs> he, uh, he was right. Um, that's the most important thing we do. It's entertainment, so there's that. I think they should be prepared to uh, uh, be scared, uh, to be creeped out, for the, possibly the hair on their arms to go up a little bit, for to hold onto their seat, because they may jump a couple of times. But also just to be in, in, involved in a kind of a sus very suspenseful, I think, movie. Fantastic. This has been a Rob Radio Network production. Check out our website at rrn.robbent.com. Thank you for listening.